This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. What actually is love? I mean, we hear about it all the time, and it's what we're all searching for knowingly or unknowingly. But what exactly is it? What does it mean to love another person, or be loved for that matter? In this message series, we get to find out together by consulting the only person qualified to answer. And that's God. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Same way I did last week. I want to start with uh, kind of the end at the beginning to kind of give you a something to think about as we go through the message. Um, first, I want to ask a question. Why do you love who you say you love? Think about that for just a moment. And, and if you come up with, I love them because I love them if and I love them when, then we have to ask ourselves the question, do we really love them? Because if I love you because, it's because of something that you do. If I love you if, it's the same reason. And if I love you when, it's all tied to the same thing. God does not love us because he does not love us if, he does not love us when. God loves us simply because it is his nature to love us. And and it does not matter where we are, what we're doing, he loves us. It's not based on us. It's not based on us. Because the Bible says that we were like sheep gone astray Every man had turned to his own way, but while we were doing that, God laid the iniquity of us all on Jesus. In other words, he was not doing something based on what we were doing. He was not loving us because or if or when. He was loving us because that's who he is. That's his nature. Now, today's message, I want to start off with Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians 1, this is what it says. It says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Then it says, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And he goes on to say, mortify your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire, and covetousness. And he goes on to name some things that we need to get rid of. But what I want you to focus on is what he tells us to set our affection on. He said, now, even though we're living on the earth, we're living here. He said, you need to set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words, what do I need to be a passion? What do I need to be passionate about? I need to be passionate about heaven and what God is doing. So today, this I think this is the last message in the series. The importance of love and how can it last? How can love last? So Last week we saw what love is. Today we want to look at how it can last and we want to start with an explanation out of verse number 10 which says, 1 Corinthians 13, 10, it says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. 
okay? So how is love going to last? The, prefer the perfection that Paul is talking about is not when we come to a complete knowledge of Scripture, not when we, you know, that won't really happen as long as we're living on this earth. It won't happen. We will always be ever learning. The Scripture will ever be evolving and opening up to us. The perfection that he's speaking about is heaven. He's talking about heaven, that when that which is perfect has come. And when we are translated, we'll be translated immediately into the presence of Jesus Christ. And then we'll know completely because then we'll do what? We'll see him face to face. It's amazing to me while I was listening to Marcus, he was talking, he was saying everything that I'm saying now. You know, he was saying all the stuff about seeing him face to face. And when we get to heaven, we'll know him for who he is and so on and so forth. So, you know, when we're translated either by him coming or by death, we'll be in, immediately in the presence of God and we're going to know him for who he is. If it happen at death or when he appear, we'll be caught up with the Lord and shall, so shall we ever be with him. So let's look at two observations, two things that we want to look at. When the perfection comes, something, some things will pass away and some things will remain. So what will pass away? What's going to pass away? 1 Corinthians 13, 9, it says, But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Okay? So, Paul is talking about the miraculous gifts, and they were highly valued in the church at Corinth. They, they, they thought a whole lot of these gifts. He's not attacking them. He's, they are good gifts and they come from God and they are useful in church and in ministry. But he's saying these things that were highly valued in the church, they're not going to last. They're not going to last. The reason they will pass away, they will be swallowed up in something greater. Going to be swallowed up in something greater. It's like looking at a menu Versus getting the food. You know, you look at the menu and, man, the pictures are great. You look at them and you just, man, it, it, it whets your appetite. But, you know, how many folks, after you get your food, you keep looking at the menu? Nobody. So when the food has come, the menu is useless. The menu is it's no longer of use to me. And that's what he's telling us. He's saying now all of these things that we get caught up in, at some point, they are going to pass away. They're going to be consumed and swallowed up by something greater. Okay? So, the menu only allows you to experience in part the food you experience fully. Prophecy does the same thing. It only speaks to God, you speak about God in part. But there's going to come a day when that which is in part is going to be done away with. And we're going to be in the presence of God. When you get to heaven, get in God's presence, you will be looking at him and experiencing him in reality. And like, like Marcus was saying this morning, you know, I don't know why we're not excited about that. I guess because there's an avenue that we have to go through to get there. And it's called dying death. And we've never been through that path before. And therefore, we're kind of like, mm, want to go see Jesus, but don't want to go through that path. So, 
But in order to get there, you're going to have to check out of here. So he said, now, tongues may give you a release of spirit in worship, but when you're in heaven among the angels wrapped and bathed in worship, guess what? Who needs the gifts of tongues in that context? Not going to need them anymore. Not going to need somebody to speak in tongues and interpret and an interpretation to be given because I am going to be where all the answers are. I'm going to be in the presence of God. What about knowledge? Paul is talking about things God revealed to us in a miraculous way that we could have never known otherwise. He's not saying knowledge is going to pass away. In verse 12, this will look what he says. He said, I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. So knowing known and known is still telling me that knowledge is still going to be available. What he's talking about, this gift is going to be gone. Okay? No longer needed. Just as a river ceases to exist when it is swallowed up by the ocean. These gifts will be gone when we come into the presence of God. Every one of them, they'll be gone. And this church was so hyped and focused on gifts, and they were focused on all this stuff. So Paul is teaching the church about the use of gifts in worship, the gifts they thought prophecy, tongues were important when it came to the congregation's worship service. Paul is telling them these things are doing what? Passing away. And he said, now, when you realize they're passing away, you will realize they're not nearly as important as you thought they were. And that should make us think. Okay. So, what do you think is important in worship? If we were to survey most churches, we'd come up with just as many answers as we, as we have people. We have all kind of answers as to what we think is important in worship. Okay. Now, whatever you might put down, we're going to find some things not half as important as we think. Not half as important as we think. We will probably identify something that will pass away here in this world just like the menu passes away when the food comes. You sleep? John, John chapter 4 verse 23 <laughs> he says but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for what oh I hear it sounds like I heard birds chirping what is it what, what, is, what is God looking for it say the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's looking for worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. Guess what? That matters. Everything else passes away. He's giving guidance to a church to keep their focus on what really, really matters. What really, really matters. What are th other things that we think are important that's passing away? When I got, when I, when I, when I, when I got to heaven, just, just imagine with me, an angel met me like all people say, like you're standing at a gate and, and 
And I'm sure it don't happen that way. But that's what everybody always say. And I stand there and I say, I told him about my relationship with Jesus. I told him on May 9th, 1984, 2.45 a.m. in front of Vermont America, and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I invited him into my heart, and I made him the Lord of my life. And while I'm standing there, I tell him, Miss Angel, I'm also a pastor. What do you think the angel's going to say? Let me tell you what the angel's going to say. The angel's going to say, it's nice to know that you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's nice to know that you're a pastor, but it does not matter here because the great shepherd is here. And you stand before him and you say, well, I'm a doctor. He's going to say, well, that's nice, but there are no sick people. You're going to say, well, I'm a mortician, but he's going to say, there are no dead people. I'm a businessman, but there is no business. The government is going to be up on his shoulders. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So, you know, no matter, you tell them I'm a teacher, and they're going to say, we got the greatest teacher that ever lived. What am I trying to tell you? That when you get to heaven, all the titles that we own here don't matter there. They don't marry at all. So, it would be a great idea to make a list of all the things that's going to pass away and work on the things that will remain. That's good. That's so good. All the things that's going to pass away, let's make a list of them and then work on what's left. Okay, here we go. Possessions. Everything I own. Now, don't, don't quit, Sister Kelsey. Possessions, gone. Everything I own, everything I've earned, my career, everything you've accomplished, ministry positions, qualifications. We work hard to get them. Organization, appearance, strength and vigor. All of that stuff going to be gone. Now, we spend a lot of time working on this now. We spent a lot of time focusing on this. We spent a lot, a lot of time pursuing this. We spent, spent a lot of time chasing all of this stuff. Yeah. Certifications. Accomplishments. You know, and then, and then power. Gone. Your ability to lead or influence others, trends, troubles, illness, frustrations of life, temptations, all these things will pass away. And Paul is telling us, he's telling us to hold these things lightly. Remember the scripture I gave you at the beginning, Colossians chapter 1. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you're dead. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he said, now all of this stuff, he said, we need to hold it lightly. We need to hold it lightly. The greatest mistake, listen at this, please we make as Christians is to hold tightly to the things that are passing away and hold too lightly the thing that's going to remain. See, we hold on to this stuff, these things. We hold on to them. We don't want to release them and let them go. You know, I was, I was, I was in a, I went to a restaurant and I was in the restaurant and 
and, 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 and the lady told me how much my food was. And I said, man, I'm $1 short from, from having to break this 20, I think it was. And I didn't want to break that 20, you know what I'm saying? So, so, but anyway, I had to wind up breaking the 20. And when I got through, I just, I just gave, the, I, I gave the cook the change. Yeah, I, know that. I just gave the rest of it to the cook. And this is what God told me. He said, yeah, we should not be afraid to be a blessing. We sh you should never be afraid to be a blessing. Never be afraid. Okay, so. We, we hold too tightly to the things that's passing away, and we hold too lightly to the things that's going to remain, okay? So, Matthew 6, he tells us what to do. He said, now seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's going to remain. And he said, and his righteousness, which is going to remain, and then he said, all these things shall be added to you. So he said, now, don't pursue the things Pursue the kingdom, and he'll give you the things to enjoy. We do it the opposite. We pursue the things, we hold them tightly. We don't deal with the kingdom and his righteousness like we should. We hold that too lightly. Okay? The biggest mistake a church can make is to focus on the things that will pass away. Don't be deceived by the things that are passing away into believing that they are your life. I'm going to tell you something else I was thinking this, this, this week. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was riding, and, and I don't know why these thoughts come into my head, but I was riding, and I was thinking, you know, and I said to myself, I said, man, I've never had the opportunity to buy a new house. Never lived in one. Never had a, lived in one that I built. And at the same time, while I was thinking that, God said, but you did a church. And he said, if you did a house, he said, when you die, the house will fall down because ain't nobody going to take care of it. Or they're going to fight over it. Or whatever the case may be. But he said, he said, you did a church. And he said, it'll last through eternity. He said, we focus too much on the things that will pass and not on the things that will last. And he said, now, we should, we, listen now, don't be deceived, and, and, and most are, I've been there myself, into believing that you, this is your life. These things are going to pass away. Degrees, prosperity, all these positions, all this stuff, we believe that's our life. If we are to live successfully, we must know the things that are passing away, and we need to know the things that remain. We need to know what's going to be here, what's going to stay, and what's going to go away. And we need to hold tight to what's going to remain, and we need to hold loosely what's going to pass away. Now, second observation. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he said, Now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. Now he said these three are going to remain. But the greatest of these is what? Okay, so God posed this question to me. He said, now what, what, if, what if we had, he dealt with this in 1 Corinthians, 
he, he dealt, with it, dealt with this with the Corinthians, had all the gifts of the Spirit working and didn't have love. What did he say we'd be? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He said, if I, if I could solve all mysteries and if I had faith as to remove mountains and have not love, he said, I am what? Nothing. He said, if I give all that I own and possess to the poor and my body to be burned and have not love, he said, I do what? I gain nothing. I gain nothing. He said, no. All of this stuff that we do and we're concerned about, we fight about, we scrap about, we worry about. He said, the main thing we need to focus on, the question we need to ask is, do we, number one, love God? And secondly, do we love each other? He said, that's what matters. Now, we need to include everything that flows from faith, everything that expresses love, and everything that is a consequence of, li of a living hope. Now, Matthew 10, 42, look at what it says. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. He said, now, the simplest act of love you perform in Jesus' name will last through eternity for the glory of God, and you will not lose your reward. Amen. Amen. Out of all the stuff that we do, out of everything that we do, he said the simplest act of love will remain. And we're focusing on being great. We're focusing on how big we can be, how great we can be, how many people are going to brag on us. And, and, and God put it to me this way this morning when I was in this room. He said, we focus on the praise of men as opposed to the praise of God. We want folks to like us whether God is pleased with us or not. So every initiative that flows from faith, every little kindness that is hidden or known that flows from love, every time you hang in there, because you have hope that God is going to do greater things in the future. He said, these are the things that remain. You know, too often we work for a check instead of working for God. See, the command is, work is unto the Lord, not as unto men. Listen now, knowing that of the Lord I shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For it is the Lord Christ whom I serve. He said, now, if I work for him, there is a reward that I'll receive. That's going to remain. But if I work for you and you give me a check, he said, that's going to pass away. <laughs> Quicker than you think. So the light bill come, the check going to pass away. It ain't got to wait for God to come. You ain't got to get in the presence of Jesus. The check going to pass away before you can get the next one. Because there's something waiting for it. So, your sins and iniquities, if you are in Christ, God said what? He'll remember them no more. And all that flows from faith, hope, and love will remain in the heart of God forever. Everything that you do with hope, everything that you do believing in faith, everything that you do in love, God said he is going to remember it. 
but your sins, if you're him, he won't remember no more. So if you ever thought, and I'm going to hold on to this myself. I'm going to hold on to it myself because I think about the song, the other song that Marcus played. It's a mighty good thing to be chosen by God. You know, we want to be, I would like to be known by the president, but you know what? It's a mighty good thing to be chosen. Man, I am known not by some president that over some nation, not by some senator or congressman, not by some ruler or leader, but by the God of the universe. We don't really, I mean, we, we say it, but we don't really grasp what it's saying. We focus all of our attention trying to make it to the top, trying to be somebody, trying to get to be known, which somebody would know us, which somebody would see us. The truth of the matter is the only one that matters is already looking, already seeing, and already know you. The only one that matters. And if you ever thought your life doesn't count for much, it means that you have been looking at the wrong things. You've been looking at the things that are going to pass away. You've been basing your life on the stuff that's going to fail. You're looking and asking, what positions have I held? What possessions have I gained? What degrees have I earned? Start looking at the things that remain. And you'll be released and delivered from ever thinking that crazy stuff again. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes, you know, I, I know it happens with older people as they get older. I remember when we were going to Morningside every third Sunday. I used to go there and preach every third Sunday. And when we get to Morningside, the first thing that those older people would say, all of them 87, 88, 89, 90 years old, the first thing they said they wanted, what was it? What did y'all think it was? They wanted to go to work. They wanted to go to work. Here I was going in there hating going to work, and here they are saying, I wish I could go to work. And here I am saying, I wish we could trade places. I sure would let you go. <laughs> so I asked myself the question, why would a person 80-something years old want to go to a job? You know why? Because, see, on a job, somebody needs me. Somebody's calling my name. And see, you have to understand what had happened to these people in nursing homes. All the children are grown. All the children are gone. The grandchildren, nobody's calling grandmama and saying, Grandmama, can you cook me a cake? Can you come see about the babies? They're all grown and gone. There's not a job that's calling them. Are you, have you finished that report? Are you going to be here tomorrow? We need you to do such and such and such. And they feel useless because they base their life on what? Things that pass away. Things that pass away. And I used to go there, and when I used to preach to those people, this is what I would tell them. I would say, hey, I said, y'all have the power, and you don't really realize it. Y'all have the power to change the world right inside this building without leaving. Yeah. They said, how? I said, all you got to do is sit and watch the news every day and pray for us. Pray for us. I said, you don't realize the power of prayer sitting in a nursing home, praying for the world, praying for the world leaders, praying for us that's out here fighting in a battle, praying for us, and you'll have a greater reward in heaven, but we don't want a reward in heaven. We want a reward now. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be recognized now because we base our lives on things that are passing away. Listen, folks, I hate to even say this, but we can't even base our lives on the people in our lives. 
Because what's going to happen? We're going to pass away. We're going to pass away. Don't sink all your hope and love in of the people around you, because at some point they will pass away. That's why God got to be number one. He got to be first. He got to be your all in all so that when people die and leave, you're not devastated. You're not broken. You're not to the place where you can't function. You can't live. Because I'm, held, I'm holding on to the thing that's eternal, not the thing that's temporal. If we're living in this world and we think folks are not going to die, we better get our head out of the sand because every one of us is appointed unto me and wants to die. And after that comes the judgment. The scripture tells us that. So why are we so shocked? Why are we so surprised when it happens? He has promised us and told us it's going to happen. And guess what? Here's the sad part. It's not going to happen when you want it. It don't happen when you're ready. So, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and these three does what? Remain. This is what's going to remain. If he says love remains, that has to mean that it already exists in the life of his people. If you are a Christian. Secondly, there's no way the love of Christ, the spirit of Christ, and the presence of Christ in you, when you get to heaven, will take a great leap forward. You're going to experience it and see it in ways you've never seen and experienced before in your whole entire life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and 12, he said, Now, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You know, I used to read that scripture, and I used to think that it was literally talking about the natural. But then when you think about it, when you look at this, when you look at what he's talking about, when you think about what he's talking about, because I, I, saw, I saw one of my classmates the other day, and I mean, yesterday, Day four yesterday, I saw one of my classmates in, in Walmart, and I looked at him and I said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, when I came, man, I put away child's thing. And I looked at him, you know, he had one of them haircuts like one of them 20-year-old boys, you know. And, uh, and I'm not saying when you get old, you need to, you need to buy you a cane and, and start wobbling. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you do get old, you do need to act your age. And quit trying to pretend like you're 30 when you're 60. Come on, man. Come on. Come on over here. Come on over here. The ground is stable. I used to tell those young folks at work, I am glad to be an old man. You know why? Because I would have, if I was 30 years old, I have 30 more years of y'all. Thank God it's almost over. I mean, really. Think about what, I mean, some of y'all must not have a job reading y'all laughing. Because if you got a job, it ain't funny. These folks on the, he, you know, these folks on the job are something serious. This new gentleman, I don't, I don't even think it's X, Y, and Z. I think they done came up with another letter. <laughs> These folks another alphabet. This is not the X, Y, Z generation. This is some other kind of generation. I believe these children were not born. I believe they came down out of space. Somewhere. I'm serious. I ain't never seen anything like it before in my life. Now, I take, I take my hat off to them to a certain degree because they are not concerned about tomorrow like we are. I take my hat off to them for that. But then where I got a problem with them is, is that they're, they're too stupid to think, well, what's going to happen if I wake up tomorrow? 
They live like they're not worried about tomorrow, and they do. I, I honor them for that because the Bible said, give us this day our daily bread, and they be, I believe they believe that. Yeah. They'll walk off a job, got a car payment, house payment, food, no food. And see, but see, this is what they see. This is what they see. They, when they left home, the lights were on, food was in the house, everything was working. So they ain't worried about none of that. We'll worry about that tomorrow. See, our generation, we're worried about it now. We're trying to figure out how we're going to retire, how we're going to live, how we're going to make it. These folks ain't worried about none of that. But there will come a day <laughs> when they start worrying about it, it's going to be too late. <laughs> it's going to be too late. So when I saw this, I said, now, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, away, put, put the ways of childhood behind me. And then when I got to the next verse, he said, for. That means there's a reason it ties together. He said, for we see now only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So let's back it up. See, what's going to happen is, when, while I'm in this world, I, 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 I see it like a child. You know, we think, we think we're grown adults, and when we have a conversation with God, we think that we're having a mature conversation with him, but this is what God hears on the other end. Goo, goo, ga, 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 He got to interpret what you're saying, because you think you're grown saying something to God, but think about how intelligent God is and how your conversation sounds to him. Like a child. And he said, now, I talk like a child. I thought like a child. We still think like children. We still think all this, this stuff and got our thoughts about God, what he ought to do, what he should do. We feel like God is some kind of magic wand. I ought to be able to go to the slot machine and pull it down, and I'll come up all cherries. I put my money in today, and tomorrow I ought to be going, going to the mailbox and getting a $10,000 check. I don't understand why it's not happening. That's how children think. And so he said, I, I, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put, away, put the childhood behind me. And basically what he's saying for, he said, now I see in a mirror, but then I'm going to see him face to face. In other words, when I get there, I'm going to be a full grown man. I'm not going to see him like a child. I'm not going to talk like a child. I'm going to have a mature conversation with God. I'm going to see him as he really is. I'm not going to know him in part. I shall know him. And, and be fully known by him. So, you receive this love, you've been filled with this love, and because of that, you should be able to give it. If Jesus lives in you, listen, folks, you have a different capacity than other people do. You have the capacity to love for real, a love that will last. You have that capacity. People that don't know Christ only have the ability to give natural affection. That's scary. Because my question is, how often have we been operating in natural affection that's been given by nature? We look at people and we think, oh man, that's just so loving of them to do that. I mean, they gave a million dollars to that. And we think it's love, but it's natural affection. It's not love. Because if it's love, then there should be no ulterior motive. 
it shouldn't be on the news. It shouldn't be in the newspaper. Why do you, the Bible says when, the Bible says men ring a bell when they get ready to do something. In other words, I'm getting ready to give away two million, y'all. Put my name on that building. Rather than, hey, two million. Nobody know it. I don't want my name mentioned. I don't want, I don't want nothing from it. I don't want no, that, that's, that's, that's not a natural affection. He said all this other stuff is going to pass away. All that's going to pass away. God love never fails, and if you are in Christ, this love is in you. It's in you. Hear me, folks. There's no such thing as a Christian that does not have the love of Christ in you. You cannot be a Christian, and the love of God is not in you. So back to the question, how will love last? Your love will last as God's love lives in you. As his love lives in you. John 15, 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now do what? Remain in my love. He says, stay, remain in my love. Remain in it. And if we remain in his love, his love will continue to be reflected through us. It will continue to be reflected through us. You want to become, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, like I, like I mentioned in, the, in, in some of the things that's going to pass away, folks, folks want to be, uh, you know, strength and vigor. You know, we want to look good, have the latest fad, the newest clothes and all that kind of stuff and all the, the newest gadgets and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, it, if you want to be attractive, if you want to be attractive, let the love of God be reflected through you. Because you know what? The love of God will attract people to you. It's going to attract people to you. you you're not going to have to, you're not going to have to, uh, 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 I can't think of the lady's name, you know. You know, you know I won't, I'm going to talk about me. I'm not going to talk about nobody else. I won't have to put all that powder on my face so I look pretty. To attract to attract somebody. <laughs> I won't have to do that. I won't have to go to the gym, and I don't, see? And, and <laughs> I won't have to be walking around with my shirt too tight to attract people. I won't have, I won't have to wear skinny jeans. There was a man, it was a man on the job. He, he, he was a supervisor. He walked around there, 60 years old with skinny jeans on. Come on, man. Come on now. Come on now. Come on over here with the grown folks at. Get you a pair of khakis, man. Come on. Two ways we might, we might want to respond. The first is if you are truly a Christian and if God's love by his grace has come to you, his spirit lives within you, you can say what Paul said, that Christ lives in you in me. But I'm going to tell you something. If you are like me, after hearing all this stuff about love, you will have to admit that my flame is a little low. My flame is not where it needs to be. I need God to come fan the flame. I'm not loving like I should. And if this is you, you may ask God to fan the flame of his love within you. 
This is so critical right here, folks. If you have been working with a person or group of people in or out of the church and you find yourself tired, wanting to quit, frustrated, I heard a story of a man that felt the exact same way. And what he realized is, he realized that in all that was going on, he had become, he had come to the place where he realized he had stopped loving those people. I expected it to be quiet when I got to that point. Because I want all of us to think. I want all of us to think. And I want us to think about this next point too. It can happen so silently that you don't even know when it has happened to you. Satan slowly, by small events over time, and even though we're together, we've grown apart and we've learned to tolerate people. And we've learned the proper language and we say the right things, but in deep down inside, the Bible warns us of this. He said, the, in the last days, the love of many shall do what? It's going to grow cold. And guess what makes it cold? Small little events, little things that happen that we don't deal with. The devil caused something to happen, just a little riff. Some way you looked at me and I just didn't go. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He said, I pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And basically he told us that part, give, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let me ask y'all a question. What happens to you if you don't take a bath for about three days? Anybody ever done that other than me? What, what else happens? I can tell y'all what happened. I mean, I, I, I done went three days without taking a bath. I ain't going to tell you why I did it, but I went three days without taking a bath. Well, what else happened? Come on, y'all. Start eating away at you, don't it? Start biting on it. Start biting. Yeah. Start biting. And, 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 and what I'm trying to tell you is God intended for us every day in the Lord's prayer to take a bath. What is that bath? Forgive us this day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Listen, folks, you got to deal with this stuff on a daily day basis because if you don't, they're going to start eating away at you. They're going to start biting. They're going to start working on you. And if you don't deal with it, you think it's gone because tomorrow, maybe the first that person talked to that person, everything. And, and see, a lot of times people don't have, to have, the, have the humility to come forth and say, I'm sorry. So what they do, they come back tomorrow and they just start talking to you. So you, okay, y'all start back talking again. But the truth of the matter, this thing's still there because nobody ever dealt with it. And I'm not telling you you have to deal with it with the person, but I'm telling you you have to deal with it in, in the individual within yourself. You got to go to God and say, hey, God, I don't like what he said. As an act of my will, I choose to forgive him, heal the hurt that was caused by what was done, and then you move on. Because if you don't, the next day something else is going to happen, and some more dirt going to get piled on you, some more dirt going to get piled on you, more dirt going to get piled on you, and after a while, you're so, dirty, you're so dirty, man, this stuff just eating you alive. So it is our responsibility. If 
we don't deal with this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis, we can get to the place where we slowly, by small events, and the devil is working in this stuff, by small events, we're working together, and we get to the place where we're just tolerating each other and saying the right stuff. But we really don't love each other. I expect it to be quiet. That's okay. You can ask God to renew your love for the people that he has placed in your life so that you may do it with freshness again. And listen, folks, every one of us, every one of us need to ask God to do that. God, by his spirit, can do this for you. Lord, fan the flame of love in me again. Fan those flames again. You know, when I, when I went through that, when I went through the second message, I had to start looking at my own self. You got I'm telling you now, if you want to know whether you're in love or not, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Verse 4 through 7. Read those verses and think about how you conduct yourself with people and then judge yourself based on that. Now, if you judge yourself based on yourself, if you think, well, you know, I gave so-and-so this and I done this, I do that, no, no. ask God. Go by 1 Corinthians 4. 4 through 7 and then see where you are. Ask God to fan the flames. I need to be replenished, renewed so that I can do what you are calling me to do. The second is this. You may say I'm not sure if I know what you're talking about. You talk about Christ living in me. You talk about the love of God living in me. You talk about the Holy Spirit living in me. I don't know what if I've ever experienced that. What are you talking about? If you are that person, if this is you, I'm glad you're here. So you can receive this love. You can come to Jesus who died for you, rose again, and is alive today. You can do that. You can ask him to pour his love, the love of God, into your heart. You can ask him that, and he will do that because that's in accordance with his will. He wants to do it. He desires to do it. And he will come. He will do it if you come to him humbly in repentance and in faith. And let me say something about humbly. You know, we, we, we know what it means to be humble, but in repentance and faith. Let me tell you something. Most folks have gotten confession and repentance all mixed up. Confession takes care of the act. Repentance takes care of the cause. Most folks do not repent. They confess. And they think that they're good when they confess, but then they find themselves later on doing the same thing all over again because you never repented. The Bible said the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And how does the goodness of God lead you to repentance? When I see how good God is, I want to change my mind about the thing that I've done. And that's what repentance is, is changing of the mind. Changing the mind. And you have to do it in faith. You have to, you got to do it in faith. You got to repent. We have to repent. I got to change my mind about what I'm doing. When I see myself doing something, I got to say, I don't like that. I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm, and, I'm, and, and, and do this, folks. Let me, tell you, let, me, let, me, let me tell you to do this. Pray and ask God to let you see yourself. Ask him. Ask him. Say, God, help me. Let me, let me see myself now. When, he, when, when, when you pray that this week, he's going to show you some stuff. But let me tell you where it needs to take you. God helped me to see myself one time. And you know what I did? I went home and I looked in the mirror and I said, God, I do not like me. You know what? That's when God started to change me. But if you like what you see, 
You're never going to change. Never going to change. And like I say, you know, I'll tell you about that lady at work, you know, the lady that was, she, she, I mean, she was real nasty. Just real nasty. She knew how to be, she, was, she, she got a, a, a doctorate degree in nasty. That's a doctorate degree in nasty. And I mean, she could, she could be nasty and then, and when she was nasty, let me tell you what she would do. I mean, she would, she, she would walk off like, I mean, just so proud. I mean, just nasty and proud. You know. Anyway, I'll tell you who she is after work, after church. Anyway, you know, uh, <laughs> and you, you'll say, you're right, you're right, you're right. Nasty. I mean, just nasty. Nasty. When you're nasty and you see yourself, you need to ask God to help you. You can't change yourself, can't fix yourself, but you need to ask God to help you. Let me, let me say that again. You cannot fix yourself. I remember when I was going to stop drinking. You know, I said, God, you know, if you, if you, if you let me, you know, well, was it drinking? It was both of them. I was drunk and high. And anyway, and I said, God, if you let me come down, I won't do this no more. And I should have said it to next Friday. Because next Friday I was doing it again. I was doing it again. And then I get up there again. And I mean, you can get so high to the place where you're just scared. And I was scared. I said, God, 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 if you just let me come down, I won't do this no more. And I should have said it to next Friday. Because the truth of the matter is I can't change myself. I can't fix myself. I would have continued in that line. When I, I used to curse every other word. And we're proud of it, man. I mean, I was bad, boy. I'd call you some stuff, man. Yep. Bow, 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 bow. I was like that lady. Had a doctorate in profanity. Tell me I don't have some degrees. I do. Yeah. But I walked in the bathroom one day, and God, for the first time, I've been saying it all my life, but for the first time I heard it, and I was ashamed. And I said, God, oh God, help me. Help me, help me, help me. We don't really, have, we don't really realize how ugly we are until God lets you see yourself. When he lets you see you now, I'm telling you now, grip yourself, hold yourself, don't deny what you see. Say, God, that's me. Help me. Romans 5, 5 says what? The love of God has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Who is the us? Who is the us that is referred to? Everyone that has come to Jesus Christ in repentance and in faith, acknowledging your need, believing and receiving his promise. That's who he, the love has been poured in your heart. But listen to me good, folks. It can be in your heart, but you got to let it got to release it. You got to release it. You can tell him I've seen your kind of love. I can, I can tell I don't have what it takes. Everybody should be to that place and admitting this. I thought I was caring and a loving person until I looked at your love and saw how badly I have missed the mark. I saw how far away I was. I saw how bad I was doing. Will you give me what I do not have? Give me what I do not have. Forgive me for thinking that I could do this on my own. That I could do it without you. I see how self-centered I am. I see how I'm only concerned about myself. And you know what? 
Some of the stuff that we call love is actually manipulation because I'm doing it to get you to do something. I'm doing it because I want something in return. I'm not saying it, but there's an expectation. And I'm going to tell you something. When, you don't, when that person don't meet that expectation, you'll find out real quick. They'll just say, I ain't doing nothing else for them. I thought they were going to, you know what? God loved us when we didn't even change. He loved us. He loved us. The Bible said we were like sheep gone astray. Everyone turned to his own way. And while we were doing our thing, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Renew me. Feel me. That's what we ought to be asking. That's what we ought to be asking. And if you come to him that way, he'll never cast you out. He'll never cast you out. And every one of us is in one of those two positions. Every one of us is in one of those two positions. Admit your true state of being. Admit where you are. I need God to help me. Teach me how to love. All this other stuff is not going to last. Natural affection, not going not to meet the mark, not going to get the job done. But you can come to him now. You can call on him now. You can ask him where you are. They ask him, God, help me. Teach me to love. Teach me. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to be kind. Teach me. Help me. Help me. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ask him to do that, he said, if you ask anything according to my will, I know that you hear me. And if I know that you hear me, I know that I have this petition that I desire of you. I know that I have it because it is God's will, his desire to fill you with his love. He wants to do it, and he wants to do it for you now. Ask him, ask him where you are. Ask him, God help me, God help me. I want to reflect the love of God in my life. I want to be attractive, not by what I have on, not by what I put on, but, I, but, 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 but by what I release out of me, the love of God. I'm telling you, you have more people around you than you can know what to deal with, what to do with if you let the love of God flow out of you and from you. God, help your people today. Help us. Help us. Help us to do it. Help us to love like you love. Help us to release the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Help us to release it right now in this place. Help us, oh God. Help us to get away from the things that hinder us and stop us and block us, our selfishness, our pride. Help us to love each other without motive, without expectation of something in return, but help us to love because it is the nature of God and it should be the nature of his children to do the same, to love without expectation, without expecting to receive something in return, without having my own way, without people doing what I want them to do, I can still love them. I can let them be who they are and still love them. God, help us today. Help us now. Help us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.